Stephen Grace, America 2, here at hour number two of today's special broadcast. It's Friday. We do things differently, and I mean really differently today. I, we drove way north and set up shop on the campus of Thomas Aquinas College in Santa Paula, California. Get out your maps. It's in northern Ventura County, and it's inland, and it is the home of a wonderful institution. Thomas Aquinas is a great books college. It is a thoroughly Roman Catholic college, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. You can look at my website if you want to link to thomasaquinas.edu. But I'm joined now by one of the tutors here, Professor David Appleby, who was for a dozen years before this a professor, before he came to Thomas Aquinas, professor at the United States Naval Academy. He is a historian. Uh, David Appleby, welcome. It's great. Do we call you professor here? Do we call no, you? No, 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 no. Tutor. We're we, tutors. You're tutors. Now, yeah. uh, my friend Agresto ran the Johnnies in New Mexico, and I was reading in your bio that you fell in love with great books when you were at Annapolis and went over to St. John's. That's right. We referred to ourselves as Sparta, and they were Athens, over the walls. And so over the walls is where you found yeah. your love of the great books? I think that's true, yeah. Yeah, St. John's Annapolis is, is a wonderful school, too. And whenever we could, we'd take some of some of our interested midshipmen over to Friday night lectures at St. John's. And often those would stretch on until the middle of the night, really. Now, uh, a great friend of mine and friend of the show is Dr. David Allen White. Uh, did you know Dr. White at the Naval Academy? I did. He was wonderful, and he was regarded as wonderful even there. Well, he, he fooled you all then. Yeah. Because then he, he's really quite horrific to have to travel. I've traveled all over the world with David Allen White. Heard him lecture. And, of course, the reason people come on cruises with David and I is not because they like me. They want to hear him lecture about the great books. Yeah. It's, it's pretty remarkable. That's what it really is about. They don't know it, but that's what it's really about. Yeah, I can imagine that. He really is wonderful. He's so well-versed and is incredibly well-spoken. Yeah, he's an actor as well. It helps. That's true. That's it helps. true. Oh, you know, he really is an actor. So yeah. what do you teach here at Thomas Aquinas? Well, here there is, although I was trained in history, we have no history courses per se, no history courses at all. Um, the hope is that tutors can teach across the curriculum. All of our students are required to take uh, a common set of courses, and the hope is that all of the tutors can eventually teach across the whole curriculum, too. Do you teach geometry? Yeah, I have taught geometry. Even though I was trained as a historian, it was doable, and my colleagues were incredibly helpful in easing me through that process. Um, but it was an enriching experience for me as well as for the students. How fascinating. So is part of the job of the college to continue the education of its tutors? Well, I think that's a kind of an accidental consequence of, of the program. That does happen in effect. But I think the feeling is that people who ha hold um, uh, MA degrees, Magister Artium degrees, Magister Teacher of the Arts, ought to be pretty well versed in the basic disciplines, at least to have enough background knowledge so that they can build on that well enough to, to help students through the material, even in fields that weren't their graduate specialties. David Appleby, that flies in the face of everything that is modern American educational theory, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It does. We're not so compartmentalized. We're not so specialized. We, we're tutors instead of narrowly focused specialists and, and experts. Um, yeah, it's it's quite different. We are countercultural. If you want countercultural, come here. Now, who are we talking to when we say if you want? Who do you think is meant to be at Thomas Aquinas, a thoroughly Roman Catholic great book school? 
Yeah, no, that's that's um, that's an important issue. In, in a de facto way, most of our students are practicing and devout, serious Catholics. Are you? But I certainly am. Uh, but it's not universally the case, and it really is not. That's not a, a necessary prerequisite. Uh, I've sat on the admissions committees, and what we look for are students who have uh, have an interest in doing the kinds of things that we do here, and have an aptitude. They've shown an ability to handle the kind of courses. That, that we teach, and they're interested. They, they sort of realize the worth of, of a real liberal arts education. So what have your students this year read? Well, this year I'm teaching a sophomore philosophy course, the sophomore philosophy tutorial, and the first half of the year is devoted to the first three books of Aristotle's Physics. The second half of the year is devoted exclusively to Aristotle's work on the soul, the De Anima. And so we spend a long time going through chapter by chapter, passage by passage, really trying to, to not memorize what he says, but to see the sense of it, to follow the argument, and to start evaluating the truth of what it is he's getting at. Now, the people I hung out with, I'm not smart enough to be a Straussian, but I know a lot of them. Uh, they said, you know, you had to read it in the Greek, and uh, you did not care about the context of Athens, that he was smart enough to do it the right way. What's your approach to that? Well, that's, that's, um, that's an important point to it. St. John's, I believe the central language that's studied is Greek, and so for the Greek text, you'd have some help there. Here, since we regard ourselves not only as disciples of Aristotle, but of Aristotle's greatest student, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, our language uh, is, is Latin. So eventually the students will do their theology readings in the original Latin. Um, as for the Greek, though, it, it's true, it's, it's a bigger stretch to get back to the Aristotle uh, and to use English translations, uh, but that's what we do. As for the historical part of it and trying to understand the context in which these books were written, we really stay away from that as much as possible. I, I think there's a pretty wide acknowledgement here that, that um, uh, eventually students would have to look at historical contexts to get a kind of a fuller picture of things. But our hope is that in an undergraduate education, people really confront the ideas themselves and start to try to get to the realities that these great authors were themselves interested in. Now, I have to, I have to ask you a, a fascinating to me question. You've taught two of the most elite sets of students. I know that the students here at Thomas Aquinas are very self-selected elites and you've taught the midshipmen. Yeah, that's right. History. Right. What is the essential difference in the characters of the two self-selecting groups? They both self-select. Oh, they are. That's true. That's true. I, listen, I had a wonderful sp experience at Annapolis. It, w it was a good place to teach. I have terrific admiration for my former colleagues there and, and for my students, my former students there, many of whom have, have gone on to serve the country with great honor and some of them at great personal sacrifice. Um, but as for the difference, look, those were, those were naval officers and Marine Corps officers in training. And they had only a part of their time to develop to cultivating their minds, to, to, to learning how to use their minds. And of that time for education, only a part of it was spent on liberal studies of the sort that we specialize in here. The, is is yeah. there an essential difference yeah. between the soul of the warrior and the soul of the scholar 
that evidences itself in your dozen years at both places? Listen, the, the best of the midshipmen were, were practical people who understood that they should take an interest for their own good in theoretical pursuits. Here, the students are people who understand that, that a kind of theoretical grounding is most important, but many of them, by the time they're through with their four years here, are just itching to get at practical things. But in terms of that, that intellectual state of mind versus the warrior ethos, is that real or is that imagined? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a hard question to answer, which, of course, is why you're asking it. I, I don't think it's imagined. Um, I, I think you've got to have a, a, a kind of a patience and a, and a docility to, to absorb what these great books have to offer. Um, not complete docility, not passiveness, but you've got to be patient and you've got to be prepared to, to um, think into the text. That takes time. Officers in training have much less time. Am I correct? Socrates was a warrior, though? He did fight. He was a citizen soldier who fought for the polis. He was, he was proud of that. He was only a poor man later in life. As, as a young man, he could afford armor and so fought in the phalanx. And so that sort of strikes at the idea that there's a distinction between a philosopher and a warrior. Good point. I, I just, I'm just curious if these are the sorts of things. Uh, what is the sort of thing you say after having been at both of these places to those who would teach at either of them? Oh, boy. Well, I came here because I loved the curriculum. And what we do as our main focus here is what we did with part of our time at the Naval Academy. I, I know that the mission of the Academy was very different and an honorable mission. But for me as, as, as a thinker, for me as a student, as a lifetime student, there was no question that what we're doing here at Thomas Aquinas College uh, had to take priority. David Apple, we have a minute left. You've been hopefully following the president's policies on uh, contraception sterilization and uh, the morning after pill. Would you be surprised if this college provided insurance that included that? And as a member who's no doubt insured, would you rather they not insure you than accept insurance with that benefit? Yeah, that, you know that's the case. Uh, there's no chance at all that this college would adhere to rules that forced us to, to disobey the, the fundamental teachings of our church. There's no chance that that would happen. Uh, it's, it's simply unimaginable. David Appleby, thank you. Fascinating conversation. Thank Wonderful you. college. Great nice to, to be meet here. You. Thanks so much for coming. ThomasAquinas.edu, America. Stay tuned. I'm coming. 21 minutes after the hour, America. It's Hugh Hewitt broadcasting today from Thomas Aquinas College, a thoroughly Roman Catholic institution devoted to the great books and to Catholic formation. And I, uh, I've been mentioning the fact they have a, a college golf, golf classic, and some of you are hunting around thomasaquinas.edu looking for it. Well, I put the link over at hughhewitt.com. It's under the Board of Regents. But if you've never played Sherwood Country Club and you want to play Sherwood Country Club on May 21st of this year, you can go and find it there. That is one of the exclusive, wonderful golf clubs in the United States and uh, so great that uh, Thomas Aquinas conducts an annual fundraiser there. I'm joined by a member of the board, Thomas Krauss. Thomas, welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. How did you end up involved? This is 40 years old, and you have been involved for a long time. Not that long, but how did you involve, get yourself involved with this? Uh, our daughter attended the college about 20 years ago, and uh, my wife and I were both fascinated with the curriculum. Uh, and uh, I ended up going to St. John's as an adult about 10 years ago, did the master's program. 
served on their board shortly after and still do. Do you know Agresto? I do. I know him well. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. That is really yeah, yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, so indeed. You're like a great books junkie then. I'm afraid so. Okay. Well, th- well the, what is it about? What's the unity between St. John's and Thomas Aquinas? Well, the curriculum is very similar, uh, overlapping, not identical. Uh, the uh, instru- method of instruction, the method of discussion is, is identical. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, they're sisters in an important way, I think. And, and the distinctive, for someone driving around who can't imagine this curriculum, you took it as an adult. What is the most interesting and rewarding thing about doing it? Uh, well, the curriculum that I took is the master's program, so it's a shorter version right. than the undergraduate program and really less rigorous. Oh, good. We like that. Uh, good. But <laughs> the, uh, the process of discussing big ideas uh, after having read them in great works is just enormously fun. Yeah, I used to go down to the weekends that Agresta would put on. Uh, they were the amateur hour, right? They'd right. bring in people for four or five days, and we'd study friendship or loyalty or duty or something like that, and right. John would lead it. Remarkably well attended out of high finance and things like that. Do you do anything like that here? I, we do. What's, we do. The, what's the counterpart? Well, we, do a, uh, we do several weekends over the summer. Uh, Not the high school student weekends, no, but adults. No, adults, right. Uh, and uh, they're very well attended, and people find them stimulating, and it's a wonderful way to develop friendships with the adult community. Now, let's turn to the subject of the day. You're a member of the board of a Catholic institution that now faces a choice. How are you going to go about getting, helping the board prepare for that choice? Well, I, I don't think there's much choice. Uh, I mean, I, I think we're simply not, uh, and I'm speaking only as an individual, and uh, this hasn't been discussed in any board meetings. There hasn't been one since this has come up. But I, I personally would say we don't have any choice. I mean, we simply can't uh, violate our principles, uh, period. So if they mandate I think this new policy is actually worse than the old policy because now you can't buy insurance except that you will be subsidizing the morning after pill sterilization and all other forms of contraception. So that basically means you'd have to self-insure, right? I'm not familiar with the new uh, proposal. I mean, I've, I've heard headlines today, but I haven't read it carefully. Uh, and I actually haven't read the old one carefully either. And I only read about it in the newspaper. I've learned uh, not to take that entirely seriously. Amen. Good, good, uh, good, good, good on you. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, fully tuned to all of the, uh, of the issues, but uh, as I understand it, the new proposal isn't really much of a uh, compromise and doesn't really address the underlying issue. That... It, it doesn't. I, I'm just curious, do you think they have any idea of the position it puts you as a board member and, and Catholic institutions in? The impression you would get is that they don't uh, have any understanding at all of, of what a real Catholic institution is. And uh, frankly, that may be because there aren't so many that are really Catholic institutions in the deep religious sense. Uh, I mean, there are lots of uh, universities that are ostensibly Catholic. True. Uh, And um, uh, for them, perhaps it's a different kind of problem than it would be for us. Uh, It's it's interesting because then you would represent yourself as a third category. We have the the exemption is for houses of worships exclusively. So, you know, Our Lady Queen of Angels Cathedral or whatever it's called down in L.A., um, is that what it's called, Tom? I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I think so. I think it's called Our Lady Queen of Angels Cathedral. Obviously, a, church, a house of worship. 
And then, uh, and then we go to um, uh, Georgetown. Right. Well, you know, the Jesuits. Right. They cover up the cross when the president right. comes. Right. Something of a compromise there. Right. And I, my Jesuit friends are now mad at me, and right. I'm sorry, Father Spitzer. Right. But this is the third category of a non-house of worship, but completely, 100% authentically, deeply Catholic. That's right. And dedicated to the formation of... Uh, uh, of the soul and and uh, and producing people who join the religious life at a relatively high rate and uh, providing students with an experience uh, that strengthens their faith so it really is it really is closer to a, a different category than a it, typical it is, university it, even though you produce say a hundred religious in forty years so two and a half religious a year out of a student body that now is three hundred and fifty five that's not much but it's a necessary environment from which to develop those two and a half vocations a year, they'd look at that and say, that's got nothing to do with being a religious institute. I, I, I really don't think they have the language mm-hmm. or the, exp- so what's the duty? Uh, I mean, who will instruct the college on this? Does the bishop, do you, do you look to the archbishop of Los Angeles? Are you subject to his authority as a board member? I don't know the answer to that question, and I, I think the I think that the board will give it very careful consideration independently uh, of anything and come to their uh, decision, taking into account whatever external uh, influence is appropriate. Because today, the, the head of the Catholic Hospitals Association, a sister I can't remember her name, came out and said, "Good, good on us, thumbs up." And I, I who gave her the authority to commit? every Catholic hospital in America in appearance to this really morally atrocious, it's, it's very, governance is issue, you know, I don't really quite know where you guys live in the world of governance of Catholic institutions. It's got to be a very trying, I mean, are you worrying about it? Are you thinking a lot about it? Uh, it I, I'm not worrying a lot about it because it seems to me very straightforward. It just seems to me that we're just simply not going to do that. Now, if we're faced with the actuality of having to uh, make concrete decisions, then I'll, then I'll worry about what those concrete decisions will be. I don't think we're there yet. As a trustee, have you ever had to review the insurance policy before? Have you always left that to the you know, vice president of administration and the smart guys down the hall? Uh, I haven't personally. But however, I'm a relatively new board member. It's only a couple of years, and you, know, you meet several times a year, so it takes a while. Uh, to become familiar with all of the issues, and I'm not at this you point. Know, this, that's a hard part of the job. What's the best part of the job? Uh, supporting a wonderful institution, uh, being being a part of a team that uh, has as its purpose to make sure that the right things are done here to preserve the life of the institution. So if there are any deep-pocketed donors driving around, you need any help? <laughs> of course we do. And uh, indeed we do. We're, uh, we're always in that position, and, uh, and, uh, and we welcome those folks, and we have a, a wonderful support group. Well, you have a lot of scholarships, and you have, this is what the golf tournament goes to, is primarily the Thomas Aquinas Scholarship Fund. But in terms of community support, we've got 30 seconds. Is it, uh, is it as widespread as you'd like? Does the church recognize uh, it isn't as widespread as we'd like. It's a, getting the word out is a, is a challenge. Uh, people don't know of us broadly, but uh, we're making solid, steady progress. More every day. Tom Krause, thank you for spending time with us on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Coming back with some 21 minutes after the hour, America. Hugh Hewitt, actually, it's 34 minutes after the hour. I'm at Thomas Aquinas College in Santa Paula, California, on the day that the president announced all institutions alike. There are no such things as 
Catholic institutions that cannot possibly go along with this policy. But I'm at one, and I'm broadcasting from Thomas Aquinas for that wonderful reason and because as well. It's a wonderful institution. If you haven't yet visited the website, go to thomasaquinas.edu. If you want to find the golf thing I've been talking about, go to thomasaquinas.edu slash golf. I have two great students in front of me, Kayla Kermode and Josh Lowe. They're both seniors. Welcome to you both. Kayla, where are you from? Maple City, Michigan. I'm sorry to hear that. You, <laughs> you know, I am from Ohio, and so we really don't view you folks as civilized up there. But uh, Oh, no, it's a beautiful part of the country. Where about is it? Uh, which part of the state are you? Are you on the thumb? I always do. Um, no, I'm actually over towards the pinky, so okay. um, northern lower peninsula, but on the western side, right near Lake Michigan. Okay. Gorgeous. So cold winters. <laughs> Absolutely. She's yeah, she's not a youper, but yes. she's close to being a youper. This is yep. somewhat different. Beautiful Santa Paula, isn't it? It is. It's okay. taking some getting used to the winter. How did you here. find Thomas Aquinas? Um, a top 10 truly Catholic college list. Okay, that's very easy then. <laughs> Josh Lowe, you are not Catholic though, are you? Uh, no, I'm Protestant. Where are you from originally? Uh, Houston, Texas. And how did you end up here? Um, I had a professor that was a graduate from Thomas Aquinas College, and uh, he was uh, really influential for me. Oh no, you and I are musicians, but you play a cello, not an axe. <laughs> that right? That's right. All right. So tell people, uh, how much music have you been able to do up here? Do they have an orchestra or is it? Well, they don't formally have an orchestra. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to do music here. Uh, they have like Schubertiads and it's, it's easy to get some people together to put, uh, put on a quartet or something like that. Um, but I was pretty serious about doing music. So I sought uh, outside sources so i went to santa barbara to join the youth symphony over there and i take lessons with the principal of the santa barbara symphony okay so you mentioned even though it is a great book school you're able to do your music that's what i wanted to point out that's right all right so kayla top 10 catholic colleges okay that's a good list but on that there aren't any other great book school that are this rigorous so why here um, it really was the great books that attracted me here and seeing the rigorous um, curriculum. I'd actually been um, very interested in the Naval Academy growing up. And so um, this was kind of looking at it as a backup. Okay, so challenging school, maybe that would be a good backup for the Naval Academy. And then um, after visiting the summer program here, um, I just fell in love with it. I'd done the summer program both at the Naval Academy and at Thomas Aquinas College and just fell in love with not only the rigor, but the fact that you really had... Um, a community of faith, a community of well-rounded individuals seeking truth together, and I'd never seen that before. Even the geometry? You liked even the geometry? Oh my gosh, I love the geometry. <laughs> that doesn't compute at all. What did, what did you like the least? About... The he, Great Books curriculum here. Hmm. It's radio. Oh, gosh. Gotta be quick. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> no thinking allowed on radio. Um, I think there's maybe some books that are actually pretty challenging for me to understand where they're um, coming from. Some of the science or math books, just I'm not as um, science or math oriented. So actually reading the writings of some of the scientists and mathematicians, it's been a little difficult, whereas some of the more philosophers, theological works have been, political works have been a little bit easier for me. Joshua, what would you say to the kid who's driving around in mom and dad's car and they were excited until they heard that they had to read Euclid? <laughs> I say just give it a chance and see how useful it is uh, in the rest of life. What was the hardest one, hardest course or courses that you took here? Um... I think Newton was very difficult when he studied him. We studied his original texts, and he was very, he's a smart guy, so he skipped a lot of steps that we had to fill. You know, that's going to go down in the all time lines on the Hugh Hewitt show. Newton, he's a smart guy. <laughs> I hope you remember that. We're going to go with that one, Josh Lowe. That's pretty, Newton, he's a smart guy. I like that. So, what are you doing next year? Um, I'm applying for philosophy and for music performance. 
I haven't made up my mind. A graduate yet. school yes, program. Yes, that's right. And, and a master's or a PhD? Uh, for philosophy, I'm going for a PhD. For music, since I still need to catch up some courses, I'm just going to go for a master's. And what kind of philosophy? Political um, theory or? Ancient philosophy. Ancient philosophy. How about you, Kayla? Um, I was actually recently hired at um, WellPoint. It's a health benefits insurer. Um, oh, how be- <laughs> interesting, given the news today. <laughs> yeah, it's actually be really interesting. But um, yeah, it's actually a pretty large company based out of Indianapolis. But I was just hired um, at the Thousand Oaks branch. Um, I'll be a business process consultant, um, analyzing data, um, looking at where they're, they're spending money and seeing how we can cut the costs. Um, now, if can, the president yeah. turns every, you're a great books theorist and <laughs> philosopher, so I'm going to ask this to you and see how you think on your feet. If the president turns every insurance company into a purveyor of birth control sterilization and morning after pills, WellPoint will have to do that. Can you then work for WellPoint? That is hard, but I think um, there needs to be strong Catholic individuals in any field. And I think that um, if I can stand up for morals, even within that field, and try to maybe um, start to have people realize what a detriment that is versus having everyone go with the mainstream and just nodding their head and letting that be okay, I think I could work there and just try to make some, make some waves. Kayla Kermo, Josh Lowe, thank you both. Great to have you here at thomasaquinas.edu. I'll be right back at Hugh Hewitt. Students from Thomas Aquinas College, go nowhere, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Back with a board member of this. 24 minutes after the hour, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Joined now by Dr. Brian Kelly. He is the dean of the college here at Thomas Aquinas College, where I'm broadcasting from today, thomasaquinas.edu. All the links are over at hughhewitt.com. He's also a tutor here. Dean Kelly, great to have you on. Thank you for hosting me today. Hugh, it's wonderful to have you here. And can I just say, uh, listening to you and Tudor Appleby go back and forth about the philosopher warrior started to sound like the classroom. You seem like you were getting into it. So I just want to let you know that we're still accepting applications. Oh, I would. uh, As I said, I I exhausted myself in my four day seminars at St. John's. I'm just a lawyer and we lawyers don't like anything that doesn't have an answer at the end. We want to get a verdict. Right. right. And you you scholars don't don't go the verdict way. What is what is the most important thing for people driving around to know about Thomas Aquinas? We are utterly uh, unique. Uh, There there are different things about us that are common with other places. You mentioned um, St. John's. And we love to talk about St. John's. We have in common with them our uh, mode of discussion, the mode of carrying on class. And we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to them for that. Also, much of our curriculum, our laboratories, uh, were built around what they were doing. So, so they're a, a sister, Tom Krause said, a sister to us, sister or brother. And we're just delighted that, um, that they were there and that they were willing to share with us their, their knowledge about how to educate. So it's really exciting. Um, but we have, unlike them, a complete commitment to the Catholic faith and to the, the wisdom that has belonged to the church for millennia at this point. So uh, those are the two most important um, things to know. We're, we're unique and we are utterly committed to the Catholic faith. I got to ask you, did St. John's begin as a Catholic institution or as an Episcopalian institution? You know, St. John's began long before the Great Books movement. And right. they were they were, I think, bought out by some of the early great bookies. Um, who are not Catholic. I don't think all of them were Catholic. Maybe some of them were. I know uh, Mortimer Adler, for example, was a Catholic wannabe for many, many, many years, and he had to, to live to 90-something. But he did convert. Um, so <clears throat> there are deep Catholic roots in the Great Books movement, but not all of them were. That Great Books movement is, uh, has got outposts all over the country. Hillsdale is kind of an outpost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biola, very much the Tory Honors Program. Good. And there are yeah. others. Is it growing, or is it... 
uh, we, static. No, we think it's growing in a, in a variety of ways. Uh, even in the Catholic world, uh, there's Wyoming Catholic College, which is in some measure committed to the great books, uh, great books approach. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, hopefully growing. That's at least one sign that there's still interest out there. That's a, a little college that Bill Bennett was high on. Oh, so 10 students walking down a, a, a boardwalk in Atlantic City or on the Strip in Las Vegas, if they would go there or any place. How would you tell a Thomas Aquinas student from the other college students? Um, by the way that he thoughtfully engaged the people he was talking with, um, one of the engaging in conversation is a really natural activity, but we don't all do it very well. And it really helps to do it day after day with a tutor kind of looking over your shoulder, making sure that you're listening to each other and actually answering each other's questions rather than posturing and trying to win a debate or something like that. Now, in the curriculum that you have, the four-year curriculum, how much of that has evolved in just the last 10 years? How often do you take a book off the shelf and how often do you put one on the shelf? Um, we, we attempt to set up the system, uh, so that it will change at a glacial pace. Uh, we're, we're conservative in that regard. We think that change is not good in its own right. And the books that wind up in the program are there for a good reason. They've withstood the test of time, uh, and they've taught us things. So if we're going to take it out, we have to have a really good reason. So we move really slowly. Now, tonight after dinner, I'm going to stick around for part of this. You're teaching Aquinas tonight. And for whatever reason, on the occasion of my being here, you're teaching his segment on lying. And, and, I, and I'm a little question. I mean, it was completely coincidental, I'm sure. But, but how, what are these uh, university or college-wide seminars about? Well, let's, let me just say first, you it wasn't to prepare our students to listen to you, but maybe the president. <laughs> oh, zing. So what we do uh, twice a year, we, uh, we divide up students across the classes so that um, freshmen are working with sophomores and juniors or seniors working all together. And they're working on a, a great text, but they're working all together. And what's really neat about it is that you get to get to uh, work with freshmen and seniors. And, uh, you know, it's a Friday night. Kids could be doing something else, but they really like doing this. Yeah. I, uh, I'm on the board of the Great Hearts Arizona Public Choice Schools. They are a uh, classic approach to education. I walk in and they're reading the brothers Karamazov and that sort of thing. And they are spreading like wildfire. Yeah. Is that a reflection of an un? met need that you have been filling here for 40 years? Absolutely. Um, Pete DeLuca has a theory as to why not everybody lives in Southern California. He says, not everybody's been here. <laughs> I think the reason not everybody's doing the Great Books program is because they haven't experienced. Over 40 years, whenever somebody comes to visit and they come and sit in on class, they go away kind of changed, and they're sort of convinced that something good can come out of that. Uh, we, we tell students, listen, if you're thinking about coming here, just come and visit. It'll really make a big difference. Or the impression. high school summer program high school for two weeks. Program. But it makes a big difference to read about it and to actually see it functioning. So Now, you're the dean, and obviously you have to look out a few years then. What do you see your student body doing? Do you like this size, or do you see it getting bigger? We are um, 100% committed to staying at this size. Um, what we're doing is is a serious approach to to trying to gain the fundamentals of Catholic wisdom. And we believe that you can't really engage uh, God's 
being and the wonders of his creation um, without being filled with wonder. And, and in order to do that, you need to have a personal uh, community. So we want to keep it small enough that you can know everybody else. Now, it's not easy, but you can know everybody else. When this policy began to develop, which mm-hmm. is the context in which I'm here, even though one planned that way, how quickly did it get your attention as the dean of a Catholic institution? Well, um, I, was, I was kind of floored by it because I'm, I'm an academic, so my head's a little bit in the clouds. And I, I believed what all the pundits that I listened to told me, that we were headed towards trouble with Obamacare. But it, it just hit me over the head. Uh, it was pretty amazing that he could say, or she, Kathleen Sibelius, could say that there are, non, there are nonprofit institutions out there that, based on their religious beliefs, are unwilling to do this. She said, we're going to address their concerns by giving them a year. That should give them the time and the flexibility to adapt to the new policy. Dean that Brian is Kellen. stunning language. Hold on. If I can keep you over the break, I want to come back and talk about it. Welcome back, America 2. You had special Friday broadcast from the campus of Thomas Aquinas College, one of those uniquely Catholic institutions in revolt against the president's throwdown of January 20th, not in any way repealed today. I'm talking to Dean Brian Kelly. He's one of the tutors here, Dr. Kelly, of course. And I were talking before the break about the president's embroiderment of his uh, compromise today. You're not persuaded. That's what we were talking about. We got three minutes here, Brian Kelly. Why doesn't it work? If, if you know, you're not, you're not going to have to actually ask for anything to change. Well, here's the way I see it. Yesterday, um, the the decision by Kathleen Sibelius required that we paid money to the insurance company and they would pay for contraception for our employees. Today, the requirement is that we pay insurance companies for health care and they'll pay for contraception for employees. Is that really different? That it's not. It's not. It's a parlor trick. It's a, but exact, it might have gone even further but with a, a threadbare bit of cover so that some people who want Healthcare to be socialized and nationalized, but who are also Catholic, at least in name, can put their name to this new policy. Yeah, because it was a burgeoning coalition of voices against it. And I wonder if everybody's going to stay together. But I think the, the most important ones will. And I think this will be fought. Now, in terms of uh, what will you tell your students about how to prepare to argue these points? Well, I, I think uh, I'll tell them to not pay too much attention right now, but apply themselves to their books, because if they really study carefully um, what we put in front of them, they'll end up with a, the kind of mind that's able to think things through on principle, uh, especially my students. We're about to jump into St. Thomas's treatment of natural law. And I think, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot today about religious beliefs, But my religious belief is that uh, contraception, the morning after pill, sterilization, these things are problems with the natural law. And so I I think uh, our students... For the benefit of the Steelers fans, would you explain what natural law is? Well, what I mean is that that we are a, a kind of being, right? There's a view of man that views us as a bunch of molecules. Just a bunch of molecules and you can move them around however you want. Uh, I believe that it's um, it's manifest that we are something special, that we're different from the brute animals. We have reason. We can come to know our maker and think about him and what he's done. Um, I think that saying that you can take a pill and kill the five day old being inside of you is represents a very particular view of what man is. And the natural law is just a reflection on man and his nature and what follows as a consequence 
from that. Uh, there's a great uh, movie from the 40s called The Third Man. And there's a scene I couldn't help but think of in this regard where uh, Orson Welles takes Joseph Cotton up to the top of a Ferris wheel so that they can gain distance. And looking down at the people below, they're the size of ants. And he says, look down there. They're the size of ants. If we could make money and one or two of them would disappear, what would the problem be? And I think that's what we're saying with the morning after pill, for example. Brian Kelly, thank you, and thanks to Thomas Aquinas. Wow, great way to end an hour. I'll be right back, America. Some of your phone calls and more guests from Thomas Aquinas College. The links are all at HughHewitt.com. Stay tuned. That with Dean Brian Kelly of Thomas Aquinas College. ThomasAquinas.edu. Stay right where you are, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Unique institution when we return to the Hugh Hewitt Show. 